when Christ returns and he rules and reigns, sin will have been taken care of. Sin will be purged from this earth. And that's why we see so much judgment leading up to Jesus' return. And this is that great sign, right? These final bowls of judgment. This great sign, right, is the judgment that finally judges this world which is under the control of satan hi everyone welcome to the podcast of calvary chapel echo park here in los angeles california we are a small fellowship of diverse believers who want to serve our lord and do his will you can find out more about our fellowship at ccechopark.com join us for our live stream on sunday in the new testament and wednesday evenings in the old testament now let's get into the word of god in our weekly podcast the teaching is from pastor david higa and will be the study of the revelation of Jesus Christ and the book of Revelation. All right, so Revelation chapter 15, verse 1. John records this. He says, Then I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them the wrath of God is complete. Verse 2, And I saw something like a sea of glass mingled with fire, and those who have the victory over the beast, over his image, and over his mark, and over the number of his name, standing on the sea of glass, having harps of God. Verse 3, They uh, they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are your works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the saints. Who shall not fear you, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. For all nations shall come and worship before you. For your judgments have been manifested. Verse 5. After these things I looked, and behold, the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was opened. And out of the temple came the seven angels, having the seven plagues, clothed in pure bright linen, and having their chests girded with golden bands. And then one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls full of the wrath of God, who lives forever and ever. The temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power, and no one was able to enter the temple till the seven plagues of the seven angels were completed. 15 says this, Then I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them the wrath of God is complete. Now, I want you to note that. The wrath of God is complete, so the judgment is complete. What does he mean by that? Well, finally this world is going to be purged of sin after these seven last plagues are administered. And so this is going to precede the Lord's return. Jesus is going to return, and as he returns, he's going to purge this earth of sin. We're going to see the final battle of Armageddon there in Revelation 19, and that's going to be the final judgment right there. And so all this is coming to an end, so Jesus would return and begin to rule and reign in righteousness. And so when you look at the tribulation period, we know to this, the chronology is given to us by the seven seals of judgment. Remember those seven seals, right? They they hold together the scroll, which I believe is the title deed to the earth, right? And so as Jesus is going to 
loosen each of those seals, right? Judgment is going to be administered upon this earth to purge this earth from sin. And so as the sin is purged from this earth, when Jesus returns, that's when the title deed to the earth is going to be open and he's going to lay claim. He's going to rule and reign. He's going to take that title deed of the earth and he's going to rule and reign again for a thousand years in righteousness, okay? So the seven seals need to be loosed before Jesus does that. And so we see we're in the seventh seal. Okay, and in that seventh seal, we've seen seven trumpets of judgment. And then the seventh trumpet of judgment, we have now the seven bowls of judgment, which are these seven last plagues. So that's the place that we're in in chapter 15 right here. Now, we've been in a long parenthetical. What's a parenthetical? Remember, we've talked about this. These are parentheses, and it gives us insight the parentheses in the chronology of the judgments. Okay, so we have seven seals of judgment, then we have seven trumpets of judgment, and then we have seven bowls of judgment. Okay, and so, but parenthetically speaking, there's personages that are introduced within that chronology. Not necessarily in chronological order, these personages, but nevertheless, they give us insight into these personages that come on the scene during the tribulation. So we've been in a long parenthetical all the way from chapter 10 believe it or not all the way through chapter 14 and so in chapter 15 we're now picking up really with that seventh trumpet of judgment and that seventh trumpet of judgment that's that third woe remember woe 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 that the um the fifth sixth and seventh trumpet judgment well this seventh trumpet judgment is that third woe and it is now going to release the seven bowls of judgment okay so that's what we're going to see in chapters 15 and 16. so it says then i saw another sign in heaven great and marvelous seven angels having the seven last plagues for in them the wrath of god is complete so i want you to note that is as the seven bowls of judgment are are emptied right that's going to take us to the return of christ right after that seventh bowl is poured out the return of Christ is going to come. So even though we have a handful of chapters left before Christ returns, right? This is the description of the bowls of judgment, and then we're going to get even more insight into the judgment in Revelation 17 and 18 when spiritual Babylon is judged, and then in Revelation 18 when when a political and economic Babylon, physical Babylon, if you will, will be judged, okay? Babylon is a picture of the world. So you have a spiritual capacity of the world, and then you have a physical capacity, and they, they feed off of each other. And so we're going to see the judgment of the world basically given uh, um, uh, being described in Revelation 17 and 18. And then finally in Revelation 19, we have the battle of Armageddon, and Jesus is going to return when he wins that battle. And so this is all the last judgments that are being administered upon this earth before Jesus returns. Okay, so in Revelation 15 and 16, as I mentioned, it gives us details on the bowls of judgments. Now remember in chapter 14, remember we saw the reaping of the earth. Remember there's two reapings, the, the grain harvest and the grape harvest. Remember we noted this. In verses 14, 15, and 16 of Revelation 14, that's the reaping of the of the bowls of judgment, which we're going to get details on in chapters 15 and 16. Verses 17 through 20 of Revelation 14, 
That's the judgment of the battle of Armageddon. And we're going to get details on that when we get to Revelation chapter 19 when Jesus returns, right? The sword's going to come out of his mouth and we're going to see that it's not really a battle. It's basically he's just going to conquer all those that have <clears throat> amassed themselves, the armies that have amassed right there in Megiddo there, the Valley of Megiddo to try to, try to um, prevent Jesus from returning to Jerusalem. There, Remember, we noted that last week. Jesus is going to return, and he's just going to take them out. Basically, it's going to be destruction. It's not even going to be a battle. It's going to be just basically a, a total destruction there. And so we see that in Revelation 19. But I want to just underscore to you, in Revelation 14, it gave us insight into those two harvests of judgment. And so right now, from chapter 15 all the way to chapter 19, it's going to give us details to those harvests of judgment. The harvest of judgment with the bowls, and that was described in verses 14 through 16 of chapter 14, and that reaping of the grain harvest is going to be detailed for us in chapters 15, 16, and I believe even 17 and 18 as the world is judged through spiritual Babylon and physical economic um, Babylon in chapter 18. But then in verses 17 through 20, of Revelation 14, the details of that judgment of the battle of Armageddon is going to get, be given to us in Revelation 19. Okay, so I'm kind of giving you a telescopic view of where we're going. All this judgment is being described in detail to take us to the return of Christ. And again, the purpose is that this world will be purged of sin before Jesus returns. Okay, so that's really kind of the, the, um, the way this is put together in these last chapters here okay so when it says the seven last plagues at the end of verse 1 of chapter 15 the seven having the seven last plagues for in them the wrath of god is complete that is an accurate statement this is taking us to the end we actually saw a description of that in revelation 14 the reaping of the grain harvest which is the seven bowls of judgment and the reaping of the grape harvest which is the battle of armageddon that takes us right to the end and so the jesus is going to return right after that but now in chapters 15 through 19 we're going to see the details of that judgment okay all right so verse 2 chapter 15 it says and i saw something like a sea of glass mingled with fire and those who have the victory over the beast, over his image, and over his mark, and over the number of his name, standing on the sea of glass, having harps of gold. Now, I want to talk to you a little bit about this, this sea of glass. You know, Walford, he writes this, and it's kind of an interesting insight about this sea of glass. He writes this, the sea of glass seems to be an illusion to the same situation as in 4.6 where a sea of glass like crystal is seen in front of the throne in heaven. The sea is designed to reflect the glory of God. So think about that, a sea of glass. What does glass do? It reflects light, doesn't it, right? And so this sea of glass that's listed here, he says it's similar to the sea of glass that was alluded to in chapter 4, verse 6. It's like crystal, right? And it's seen in front of the throne in heaven. It says the sea is designed to reflect the glory of God. And he goes on to write, and in chapter 4, it's description like crystal speaks of his holiness. Unlike the previous occurrence here in verse 2 of chapter 15, it says here is the sea is mixed with fire, which speaks of divine judgment proceeding from God's holiness. Now, I think that's interesting insight as he says that this sea is mixed with fire. So the sea 
if it's true that it's a sea reflecting, right? A sea of glass reflecting God's holiness, but the mixture of fire speaks of his judgment. And so Walbert, he says, this speaks of divine judgment proceeding from God's holiness. Now, that's interesting because it is true, right? Judgment comes because God's holiness, right? Can't stand in the presence of sin. And so we know this, right? We've talked about this even previously a couple weeks ago when we looked at this gospel of what? Remember in chapter 14, it says the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell in this. Remember the angels are going to go out and they're going to preach this everlasting gospel. It's a gospel of what? It's a gospel of judgment. Remember we noted that. And so we're used to hearing the gospel of grace or the gospel of peace, right? The gospel of of, uh, of love, right? And, uh, and that it is. But it's also a gospel of judgment. Remember we noted this. And remember we noted in chapter 14, verse 10, when it starts to refer to Gehenna, it says, He himself, chapter 14, verse 10, He himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. Remember that teaching? We noted this was kind of an interesting insight. It's only highlighted here that in Gehenna, there's going to be the presence of the holy angels and the presence of Jesus, who's the Lamb is referred to here. And you start to think about, does that mean Jesus and the holy angels are going to be in Gehenna? Well, it is true they are right here in chapter 14, verse verse 10. And remember we notice that God, Jesus is God, right? He's omniscient, he's omnipotent, but he's also what? Omnipresent. What does omnipresent mean? He's present everywhere at all times. And so there's nowhere that anyone can go outside of the presence of God. So even in Gehenna, there's going to be the presence of God. And so when we say things like, you know, hell is void of God, that is not true. Hell may be void of God's love, right? Because there's God's judgment. But God is everywhere, right? He's omnipresent. But the interesting thing, and we noted this when we covered that verse in chapter 14, verse 10, a couple weeks ago, we noticed, would it be possible, could it be possible that the judgment, the actual the fire and brimstone comes because the holiness of God is in the presence of these ones that are not covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. What does the blood of Jesus Christ do? It removes what? All their unrighteousness. Those that are of the faith, right? Those that are Christian, those that are of the faith, the martyred saints in the tribulation, those that receive even in the Old Testament by faith in Hebrews chapter 11, by faith, by faith, by faith in the word of God. Those that receive by faith, they're saved. The blood of Jesus covers them, right? And so it covers their sin. That's why they can stand in the presence of a holy God. That's why they can receive a resurrected body to breathe in the presence of God. But think about this. The ones that don't come through the blood of Jesus Christ, what happens? Well, they have to stand in the presence of God's holiness in their sin. And what will happen? The holiness of God is going to judge them. And could that be the eternal consequences in Gehenna? Is that God's holy presence is going to be there? And so those that are not covered by the blood of Jesus Christ, they're going to be standing in their sin What's going to happen? Eternal what? Eternal torment. Fire and brimstone. 
it's an interesting kind of thing to ponder. And so when we see right here in Revelation chapter chapter 15, when it says, and I saw something like a sea of glass mingled with fire. And as Walward highlights, this sea of glass, right? It's reflecting God's holiness. Like in chapter four, verse six, the sea of glass like crystal in front of the throne of heaven. You know, what glass does, it reflects. And so you have God's holiness there, right? And this sea right here, it's reflecting God's holiness, but mixed with it is judgment. And that's why it's fire and says, and I saw something like a sea of glass mingled with fire. And so we see what? This judgment described and so as Walford writes here is the sea it's mixed with fire which speaks a divine judgment proceeding from God's holiness isn't that interesting because God is holy right the fire of judgment comes through his holiness because those that are not coming through the blood of Jesus have to stand in their sin and the holiness of God will what will devour them and so perhaps this is the reason why we see a sea of glass mingled with fire. And notice it says, And those who have the victory over the beast, over his image, and over his mark, and over the number of his name, standing on the sea of glass, having harps of God. How can they stand on the sea of glass? How can they stand if this is reflecting God's holiness? They can stand because what? Of the blood of Jesus Christ, right? They did not take the mark of the beast. They did not take uh, uh, the mark of, of the beast in terms of to barter, right? And so they died in this life, but they can now stand, right, in eternity, in the holiness, um, amongst the holiness of God through the blood of Jesus Christ. But what's the contrary? Is those that took the mark of the beast, right? How are they going to stand? They're not going to be able to stand. They're going to be tormented forever and ever because the holiness of God, right, is going to burn them in their sin. And so it's kind of an interesting thing to, to kind of ponder this sea of glass mingled with fire. But those, right, that didn't take the mark of the beast, those that put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ as Lord, even though they died physical deaths, right, they lived eternal lives that they're able to now stand on this sea of glass having harps of God. Now verse 3 says, They sing the song of Moses the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are your works, Lord God Almighty, just and true are your ways, O King of the saints, who shall not fear you, O Lord, and glorify your name, for you alone are holy. For all nations shall come and worship before you, for your judgments have been manifested. And after these things I looked, and behold, the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony of heaven was open. Now, I want to just talk a little bit about this song of Moses. We don't know exactly which song this is, but we do know that there's a couple songs of Moses that appear in the Old Testament. The first one I want to mention is Exodus chapter 15, right there, probably from verses 1 through 18. And that's that song. Remember the song of Moses after they came through the Red Sea and then the Red Sea came down upon Pharaoh's army there? Well, after that deliverance, Moses, he, 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 he sang this song and, and the Israelites, they sang this song with him. And you can see this in Exodus chapter 15, 
verses 1 through 18. And so a lot of commentators believe that this is the song that they're singing. It's kind of of that kind of essence, right? This song of victory, finally, that they're delivered. Okay, so it says, they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God. One of the things I want to draw to your attention, the song of Moses speaks to me of the Israelites when you think about it, right? So this is definitely, to me, referring to the song that a lot of Jews are going to be singing, right? That they're going to have the victory. They're now standing on this sea of glass, but a lot of them have perished because, what, they didn't take the mark of the beast. Now, we do know that there's going to be a remnant of Israel that survives, 144,000 for sure, 12,000 from every tribe. These are men who I believe are virgins, and they're going to be the armies for Jesus during the tribulation. They'll live on to the millennial kingdom. But remember, there are going to be ones that are going to be protected in the rock city of Petra, we believe, as they fled to the wilderness, and then God protects them. God protects them from the dragon who's trying to devour them, which is Satan. So we know that there's going to be a remnant of Israel that's going to live on to the millennial kingdom, and they're going to repopulate the millennial kingdom. They're going to have children. They're going to be born there, right? We've noted that often, but right here, when it says, they sing the song of Moses, this is referring to the number, right? That didn't take the mark of the beast. They're now standing on the sea of glass, right? They've received their resurrected bodies. He's looking forward, outward, right? In the future. And I believe when they say, when it says they sing the song of Moses, referring to many Jews, right? That didn't take the mark of the beast. They perished in the tribulation. They're part of these tribulation saints, if you want to kind of, kind of um, identify them in that way. They didn't take the mark of the beast and they're now singing this song of Moses, okay? It's a song very familiar to them. And so it does talk about these Israelites, right? These Jews that that um, did not take the mark of the beast and then they, they, they have eternal life. And right here, uh, they're singing this song of Moses, the servant of God, and it says, and the song of, of the Lamb. And so this would be including all the tribulation saints. And, you know, there's commentators, like Walford believes that this is the same song, and it has two different aspects, right? One for Israel, and then one for those that are not of Israel, right? But it's the same song, and they're all redeemed, right? Because they didn't take the mark of the beast. But other commentators would, would say that perhaps this is two different distinct songs. We don't know for sure, but we do know that there's rejoicing because they gave their lives for the Lord, right? And so now they live now into eternity, and they're standing on the sea of glass in holiness with harps of God, and they're worshiping. They're singing this great song of rejoicing. Notice in verse 4, it says, Who shall not fear you, O Lord, and glorify your name, for you alone are holy. Notice the the um, the highlighting of the, of the holiness of God. And notice the judgment. It says, For all nations shall come and worship before you, for your judgments have been manifested. Okay, so again, I'm, I'm drawing this to your attention because the connection with this sea of glass mingled with fire speaks, I believe, of the holiness of God, but then also the judgment of God. Okay, and so it's the holiness of God that judges. We cannot stand in God's holiness unless we're covered, right, by the blood of Jesus Christ. And so the holiness of God is the judgment of God, but it doesn't judge those that are in Christ, okay? All right, so it says, After these things I looked, and behold, the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was open. Now, it's interesting. 
The first thing I thought of in verse 5 when it says the temple of the tabernacle, he's speaking of heaven. Now, we asked, we asked this a while back, is there a temple in heaven? Well, you know, you go to Revelation chapter 21, if you can fast forward with me, and we cross-referenced there uh, a while back. But Revelation chapter 21, verse 22, it talks about the New Jerusalem, okay? So it's a it's an aspect of heaven, I believe. New Jerusalem is heaven, I believe, right? And it's there, and it just... It comes down in this uh, chapter 21 with the new Jerusalem, right? New heavens and earth are created. But in chapter 21, verse 22, it says, But I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. So what, what's, what's going on here when it says, After these things I looked, and behold, the temple of the tabernacle. This is an interesting kind of a set of words. The temple of the tabernacle. What does that mean? It's either the temple or the tabernacle, right? Now the temple not the temple of the tabernacle. So when you do a little bit more studying on this word temple, and if, um, if you have a study Bible, I have a footnote in my study Bible in this New King James Version, and that footnote says that this really is the sanctuary, the inner shrine, that's what it means. So it's the sanctuary of the tabernacle or the inner shrine of the tabernacle. Also in verse 6, it says the same thing. And out of the temple, there's another footnote. And it's the same thing. It's really the sanctuary. Right? When it says, and out of the temple, out of the sanctuary, these seven angels came. Okay, so it's not an actual literal temple, I believe. And, you know, when you look up another translation, if you read the ESV version, the newer translation, you know how it translates this word temple? It translates it, as sanctuary that's how it translates it and that's what i have the footnote here in my study bible and so in verse 5 let me read that again it says after these things i looked and behold the instead of the temple it really probably should be the sanctuary of the tabernacle and so what's the sanctuary of the tabernacle well, that's the the holy of holies that's the inner part of the tabernacle okay so that's really kind of the description that should be listed here it's not a literal temple it's the sanctuary of the tabernacle and it is kind of a peculiar way to read the temple of the tabernacle it's really the sanctuary so it's the inner part of the tabernacle where the holy of holy word um and the ark of the covenant is right and so it says behold the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was opened okay so this testimony right and um it um literally is the word maturion, right? Which is where we get the words martyr. Okay, so the testimony in heaven was open. Now verse six is, and out of the temple, again, out of the sanctuary came the seven angels having the seven plagues. So it's at this inner part of the tabernacle of in, in heaven, in the place of wholeness, that's where these seven angels come. And these seven angels are seven angels with these seven last plagues okay so remember the connection we talked about the holiness of god it's the holiness of god that's administering the judgment of god because sin can't stand in the presence of god's holiness and so these seven angels they come from the innermost part of the tabernacle the sanctuary and so the holiness of god is there and so these last seven plagues or these seven bowls of judgment are going to be released it's going to cleanse this earth of sin again it's going to purge sin from this earth to prepare for the return of christ okay so that's what's being described in these these verses here 
It's not, I believe, a literal temple. It's the inner sanctuary of the tabernacle where the holiness of God dwells. It's from this place that these seven angels are coming and they're going to pour these last seven bowls of judgment which are going to cleanse this earth so that Jesus can return. Okay? Verse 7. It says, Then one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls full of the wrath of God who lives forever and ever. So these are the last bowls of judgment that precede Christ's return. Okay, verse 8. The temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God. So I believe that this is the inner sanctuary of the tabernacle. Was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power. And no one was able to enter the temple or the inner sanctuary till the seven plagues of the seven angels were completed. Okay, so these seven angels are coming from the inner sanctuary of the tabernacle in heaven. And so that's where the holiness of God is, right? They're coming with these bowls of of judgment and no one there's smoke that fills that place you know how it says the, the glory of god filled the tabernacle when moses uh completed the tabernacle there in exodus the glory of god filled that tabernacle and so smoke rose up it's the same picture as the glory of god as these angels are coming out is filling that tabernacle and so these bowls of judgment right they're going to administer these final cleansing of this earth so that the holiness of god right can return and so that's kind of what's the description here it says from the glory of god and from his power and no one was able to enter the temple the inner sanctuary of the tabernacle to the seven plagues of the seven angels were completed and so it speaks of god's holiness what god's holiness is right that sin can't be in its vicinity can't even be near it right and what's going to happen to sin when it comes in contact with the holiness of god is going to be burned up and so that's what we see the description of in chapter 15. And then in chapter 16, we're going to see the actual description of the bowls as they're poured out upon this earth. There's going to be just massive judgment. We're going to see uh, the whole, uh, the sea turns to blood. We're going to see that, um, that the waters, right, a third of the waters turns to blood. We're going to see that all the different uh, sea animals in the, in the, in the ocean are going, to, are going to perish. We're going to see... Um, uh, fire come down from heaven to scorch mankind. We're going to see these 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 great great judgments in these bowls of judgment, and again it's going to precede Christ's return. Okay, it's going to purge this earth from sin so that Jesus will return. Okay, so that's a description here. Now, to to conclude, I want to take you to cross reference all the way back to the book of Exodus. Now, the reason I want to do this is. This is going to give us even more of a picture and understanding of how sin can't be in the presence of the holiness of God. So the judgment of God, fire, the fire of judgment of God comes through who God is, God's holiness. He can't be in the presence of sin, right? So something has to happen when mankind, right, sinners come into the presence of God. There has to be some kind of veil that goes over them, right? So they're not fully in the presence of a holy God. Otherwise, they'll be consumed. And that's the picture we get in chapter 15. It's that that veil is being kind of removed. And as it's removed, right, that the holiness of God is being spread upon this earth. And then that's the judgment.
That's the judgment. And so the Lord is preparing for his return. And so the judgment is going to come when he returns because sin has to be dealt with. Thanks again for joining us in our podcast of Calvary Chapel, Echo Park. We hope and pray that you have been blessed by the teaching and join us again as we continue to study the Word of God. Once again, you can always visit us on our homepage at ccechopart.com for more information and teachings from Pastor David. To God be the glory.